0: Welcome to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt, Race Car Radio's podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm David Hoffman, and your voices of reason are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak. Today on the podcast, when and how should you fire a client? Hey guys, Mike, Matt, how are you doing?
1: We're great. I'm doing great.
0: So, Our guest today is Gerard Boucher of Boucher & Company, a social media marketing firm. And he has a question about, I think, something all of us have had a question about at some point or another, which is dealing with a difficult client.
2: Uh, Gerard? So my question is, I have this new client, and we just started working with them less than a month ago. Uh, The client has been told that they're not going to see a certain set of results for a minimum of three months, but probably closer to six months. And after agreeing to those expectations and and that timeline, they are wondering why they're not seeing any results now, less than 30 days from time of signing. So how would you suggest we uh, deal with them going forward?
1: So A, I guess I want to ask you, has this happened to you before? It
2: has, and I would say that it's probably going to happen
1: again. So when it did happen before, what did you do?
2: Well, when it first happened, we really didn't have a set of expectations written down on paper in our contract so on. And since then, we've written down our expectations as part of the contract.
1: Now, when you wrote down those expectations did the client actually sign something and said these are my responsibilities i understand those are your responsibilities and this is i guess how we're going to have a uh, successful project yes they did okay and so where where is the um where where's the the breakdown what's what's happening
2: well i think Part of the breakdown, and the big part of the breakdown, is I think the client is in denial that there are some limitations when marketing online, on social media. And I think the client's basically choosing to ignore the expectations, even if they even if they accept the expectations, I think they're ignoring them.
3: It's not unlike having a difficult employee, which, uh, as you know, my druthers is to fire them. However, there are, um, as most small businesses have, uh, there are certain cash flow realities that may not want you to fire the client Absolutely. right away. And uh, try and come up with a different solution. So I think um, maybe reset with the client and explain to them, if you want these results, we have the expertise and this is how it's done. If you do it differently, don't hold us accountable for the results.
2: Thank you. I think that we've started to do that in the sense that we've reassigned the team that's working on this particular account uh, with someone who we think is a better fit, who's able to handle the real-time questioning in a way that they can push back and not feel like an answer has to be given right away. There's a process, and if they don't like the process then we can't work with them. They're more willing to push back than, let's say, the team that was on it before.
1: That That's okay, but I'm not sure that that's actually good enough. Uh, you say you put 30 days into this, and they already have an expectation that's different from yours. And now, another, you've put a new team, so another 30 days are going to go by. And at the end of those 60 days, that client is still going to have a set of expectations and they're going to come back to you and say listen I still haven't seen the results that I'm looking for and I want my money back so I'm I'm wondering whether you should have that conversation right now and basically talk to uh, the business owner that you're dealing with and literally say look I'm wondering if we're a
3: right fit you know but, Michael, but Michael what if you What if that month you really need the cash flow? I'm just thinking about our audience out there, and there are certainly, you know, as a small business person, you make decisions because of lots of different reasons, and uh, sometimes you don't. You make decisions not the decisions you want to make, but decisions you have to make.
1: Gerard, are things that dire? No. Right. So we're not in a dire situation. So let's let's today
2: at least. Right.
1: I would say that in this particular
2: case i think i'm going to try and make it work at the moment for not because of the revenue i mean that certainly helps but because they are a startup they are launching they're in the process of launching their service and we've done a lot of work for them and i think they're frustrated that they can't get instant gratification i think they've had a lot of setbacks and we definitely want to try and try and provide some value so at least we know we did everything we couldn't to be the number one agency
1: right but you see the struggle here is a process versus the immediacy of the result yes all right so you're saying to this client that has an enormous need for immediate results now you're saying hey Look, it's not going to happen for another 6 months.
2: Yes, we're very firm about that. Right. So,
3: and the so, and, and the client probably doesn't hear that. That's correct.
1: So, so what the I'm saying, the client has plugged their ears. The client does not want to hear that. Okay. So, Matt, the conversation has to be had now. Gerard has to have that conversation with the client and he has to say things like, "I'm not sure you're listening to me. I'm not sure you hear me. I'm as clear as, as I am saying, you're not going to get the results you're looking for, in my estimation. Perhaps you should deal with someone else. I give you that opportunity. And by the way, let me tell you what we've done for you in the, next, in the last 30 days. You know, in my, in my own business,
0: I, I, I had a situation about three years ago, which felt kind of similar, that, that I had a client, you know, I was a very new company at the time. I, I didn't feel like I could just turn them down or I could, I could cut The loss, they were another consultancy who worked with a lot of the same clients I wanted to be working with. So I thought they'd be a big entree into other business. And so I ended up saying, okay, you know what? The the important thing here is to make them happy and to finish this, even though I made mistakes in the way I set up the expectations. And I ended up, it it was a nightmare. I ended up losing a lot of money trying to get the thing done. And the thing didn't end up getting done and ended up souring the relationship with these guys anyway. And right. so,
3: and, and Dave, what did you learn from that?
0: Well, just what you're saying is that sometimes it's it's better if you see the problems happening coming down the road. It's better to just say no. But it's also hard, I think, particularly if your company is young and you don't have a huge client base. I think it's easy to just be afraid of losing customers and and to be afraid of you know it's it's hard to take that hard line when you're younger and not as experienced. Definitely, and I think that I, agree with I you. think this
3: is a perfect example of really being deterministic about your business and what kind of prospects and clients do I want versus someone who's come through the door and, right, you see the revenue, but right they may not be the right fit. So here, here's
1: um, maybe an in-between of, of saying, no, this is not the right client, or how would I say, uh, suffering through it. I think you really need to have a conversation with the, with the business owner, your new client, and ask them, I'd like, to, I'd like for both of us to define value. So let me understand how you, Mr. Client, define value for the investment that you're making. And they'll tell you how they do it, and it may be very results-oriented. And then you're going to say, well, let me tell you how we define value in the first month, two, three of an engagement. Now, it's a balance sheet. You've got how you define value, and how they define value. At that point in time, the two of you have to find a way to agree to what value really is. If the value is solely the result, and you know that you cannot possibly deliver that result, then my advice to you, irrespective of cash flow, irrespective of anything else, you need to cut it now. And quite frankly, if you say to them, listen, you could leave any time. That's fine. You could leave and you'll have enough to take this to the next party that you'll want to work with and I'll make I'll make that easy. I think that's a really strong move to say to someone,
0: look, this is what it is. You're free to walk away and go with someone else if you don't like the service we're providing. But I know from my experience that this is the way it is. This is we're confident that we're doing the, this is the best way to handle this. That's a really powerful right. move. And it's, I think that's one that's really difficult for someone who hasn't been in business very long to have the confidence to, to, to say that, right. to stand up on your hind legs and say, you know, this is
1: what it is, take it or leave it, because you're so desperate for the business. Right. But you see, yes. look, Matt and I have been there. Just, just to tell you, um, we've been there many times. We've been there uh, at one time when we had one client that was 90% of our business. Now, you can imagine when you have one client that's 90% of your and business. And we've been there. We've right? had one client. Right, And you know. Me too. Right. We've all been there. And you know you have no leverage whatsoever. Or you do have leverage. And you become, as Matt said earlier in the conversation, you become deterministic. You make it your business to reduce that percentage that that one business gives you by finding new business. And so there are several philosophies here that are really critical. One if you are a business owner, you must have a philosophy of abundance. It is, it, it, and, you, and you, you can't, fear is always on your shoulder, but if you have a fear of, if it's scarcity that drives you, then you shouldn't be a business owner. You should be working for someone else. And that's as clear as bell. You've got to have that, that basically, you're always going to find something else there.
3: I, I remember any time I lost a client, whether I did something wrong or not, I felt a pit in my stomach. And as an owner, whether you, you know, you, where, however you lost a client, you, you, you feel that. And, and you have to know, uh, the question is not if you're gonna lose a client, it's when. Whether it's six months, two years, five years, eventually the, the client's going away for whatever reason. So,
0: so, so what do you do with that knowledge?
3: Uh, well, you always have to be prospecting, and I think Michael's point is you have to believe in abundance. You have to be out there all the time, and you know people say, "Well, how big should my pipeline be well it's no matter how big it is, it's never big enough. Gerard, I think for for uh, social media business the the best kind of clients are ones that are looking to build and create. And expand their brand online versus needing day-to-day sales
2: social media does not produce sales directly it produces traffic and visibility and, and awareness that goes into a bigger sales funnel and then it's up to the business to close that deal it's the, the marketing agency gets them to the finish line it's up to the business to close that deal and those that understand that on the client side I think are a lot happier.
1: So, uh, I'll take what you've just said. If if your firm belief is that as a social media firm, that what you deliver is traffic, visibility, and awareness, those are your deliverables. Now, if you have a client that has, that the, the deliverables that they expect are sales, then you have a major breakdown. If you are unable to demonstrate the value of the traffic visibility and awareness, then you have the wrong client. And then if, it, if it's what you have to do is make a cut, then you'll live with the cash flow issue. You'll go on. There's the, the, the position of abundance. And I know you'll find the right client. Great. George, sure,
3: thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: We'll be right back after these brief messages. Race Car Radio is proud to support the work of AYA Worldwide, a tenacious and dedicated organization working to address the root causes of poverty in West Africa. Because they believe that who a person is and where they come from should not solely determine what they are able to achieve. To learn about their work and how you can support it, please visit ayaworldwide.org. If you're enjoying this show... You might also like some of the other podcasts on Race Car Radio. For instance, try The Newbery Report, two New York improv actresses discussing children's books, specifically every book that's won the Newbery Medal year by year and decade by decade. It's smart, silly, engaging, and touching. And we promise it's your new favorite book club. Listen and subscribe now at racecarradio.com. And now back to mind your own business with Mike and Matt. So that was that was a really interesting question um, that Gerard had, and I I feel like one of the underlying questions there is something, um, Mike, that you're always talking to me about about qualifying a lead, qualifying a customer. Because it seems perhaps this customer of Gerard's was not well qualified. Is not actually looking for the service they provide. They're hoping it. They're hoping his service is going to provide something for them that it's not, it can't do. And I'm, I'm wondering maybe if, if that's something we could talk about a little bit about how do you do that? How do you audition a potential customer to make sure first that they're the right fit, that there's somebody you should be pursuing, that there's somebody that you, you actually could be doing business with in a successful way.
3: Well, I think what, you know, what's the, what's the client or prospect's motivation? What problem are they trying to solve? So it's really kind of, determining with the prospect what is it that they're trying to accomplish
1: yeah um actually i'm going to bring up something that's a little tangential but kind of is is apropos and that is remember there's a salesperson in this picture and a salesperson is typically paid on you know gets commissioned they're going to bring in business and they get a piece of that that's just the way the world works and when they drive that sale they may not they may not drive it exactly as you want because in a in a sense they drive it let's say for argument's sake in their conversations inadvertently or unknowingly they are basically promising results and but the reality is is that those those results are not going to come in the 30 days but somehow in those conversations, because now the client and the salesperson or the prospect and the salesperson are on the same wavelength. We're both talking about results. And now, okay, so now the prospect hears what they want to hear. The salesperson kind of says what they want to say. And you've gone down a road talking about results. Get the contract signed. And the prospect has never forgotten that they've been talking about results. Now you've got that issue because... It's you know the results are going to be three four five months not thirty or sixty days.
0: I think I think one interesting place interesting place you can get into as a smaller company or as a solopreneur as they say is you end up in this schizophrenic place where you're both of those people you are sales and your production and you're, you're sometimes negotiating against yourself mm-hmm. because. Yes. Your sales brain says, oh, my God, I really – you're looking at the monthly cash flow, and saying, like, I need a client. I need to figure out how to please these guys so that I can get that money coming in. And
3: then you're thinking about how do I cut – how do I – how can I cut a few corners to make it work? And then, you know, two months down the road, you, you think, how did I get here? Hmm. I'm, losing, I'm losing all kinds of money, and the client's still not satisfied, and I don't see them being satisfied. What do I do now?
0: So what – I guess the question and we've so yeah I've I've been there. I feel like maybe every small business owner has been there particularly at the beginning. Absolutely. How do you so how do you prevent yourself from getting in that situation and how do you perhaps once you've gotten in that situation extricate yourself from it in an elegant way?
3: Well, one is to recognize it as quickly as possible. That's one. Two, you have to have the I'll call it the courage to quote, fire the client, or or charge them more. At what point? Well, when you, you realize re- when well, you realize I- what what they need, want, expect is not within the price point that you've agreed to.
0: Is part of that being real clear at the beginning? What yeah, is actually included in the price point, and what isn't? Like putting that. Yes,
3: in. for sure, and also. You know there's no need to quote fire a client. all you have to do is keep raising your price
1: yeah well that well that's for the future you you if you're an ongoing project with a client and it you've got a fixed price you, you and et cetera you you can't raise your price right there and then you know, look, I can remember uh once upon a time I was writing marketing and sales plans um for a company that I was working with. And I had a client, and I had projected that that project would take 200 hours. That project took 400 hours. I went back to the client, and I asked them, I said, Listen, you know that I've just delivered you as as good a product as you could possibly have hoped for. You've already told me that. But I put 200 hours more into it, and I'm going to have to charge you X more dollars. You know what they said to me? What? No way. You made an agreement. Correct. It's not my problem. It's your problem. And lesson learned. They're not wrong. Uh, I didn't say they were. I, I I didn't say they were. And by the way, I I'm, would imagine that you can say that to me, David, because you've been there too. Hundred percent. And and so have you. have all been
3: there. And right. Uh, you basically cut your rate in half. So the, I've been so on the both ne- sides of that equation. That's right.
1: So the ne- that's correct. We've all been so. The next time, I never did that again. I learned very quickly. So if I was going so, to what do did it, you do? Well, next time. next time, two things. One, I either did not do it at a fixed fee, so yep. I told them what the hours were, and I told them that if there were additional hours, there would be the charge, and we agreed to that up front. Or I said, this is a fixed fee, and I overcompensated uh, for the number of hours that it would take. So this time, instead of saying 200 hours, I said it would be you know, 300-plus hours. And so, yeah, I dealt with it the next time. I didn't do it the same way. Lesson learned. You keep doing it the same way, you're not just stupid, but you're insane.
3: That's how we, we, I think that's how we all learn in business. Right. We make mistakes. Make a mistake. Right. What do you say, Michael? You know how you made a mistake in business? Cost you money. money. Cost you you money. How do you know you made a big mistake? Cost you a lot of money.
0: It seems to me that taking a fixed fee, a truly fixed fee project is always maybe a bad idea. That there always needs to be there always needs to be an escape route to the fixed fee. It's, it's fixed. Not not true. If not true. No, you don't
3: think so? If you if you if it's something you do over and over and over again and you have a very defined process, doing fixed fee can dramatically increase your uh, effective revenue per hour or per project.
1: Well, let's put it this way. There may be fixed fees, but there isn't necessarily a fixed answer to every time you do a fixed fee. It mm-hmm. really isn't. So I uh, think Matt's point that uh, if you've done this so many times and you know where to get the efficiencies, it's actually to your client's uh, advantage as well as to yours to deliver in a shorter period of time and to deliver the right stuff. That that works. Um, but you don't offer a fixed fee unless you know in advance that you can deliver at that fixed fee. Shame on you if you agree to a fixed fee and know in advance that you can't deliver. That's, that, that's, and that's where you learn from your mistakes because you did that once before. You did that twice before. Why are you going to do that a third time? That's really it. Then we come back to, well, if the client, if the prospect wants fixed fee... And you know you can't deliver at that rate, then you walk away. Now we come back to that issue of, well, can you walk away? Do you, do you have abundance or scarcity in your philosophy, in your approach? Hey, you know, life is life. Things get in the way. but
0: My dad had a joke he used to like to tell about you lose money on every sale but make it up in volume. Yeah. As, That's not, hard. <laughs> not that, you know what? It's pretty not, hard. <laughs> no, you're right. Mike, Matt, uh, thank you guys as always. Uh, and, you know,
1: until next time, why don't you mind your own business?
3: Michael and Dave, I think you should mind your own business. Well,
1: all right. Coming from you, Matt, the best I can tell you is mind your own business. Tune in to upcoming episodes of Mind
0: Your Own Business with Mike and Matt to hear them deal with thorny topics like... When and how to hire new employees, dealing with sea changes in your supply chain, and navigating the tricky world of e-commerce. You can make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcast apps. And you can find those links at racecarradio.com slash mindyourownbusiness. Please also give us your feedback via social media, M Y-O-B Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to our guest today, Gerard Boucher of Boucher & Company Social Media Marketing, www.boucherco.com. And of course, thanks to the stars of the show, Michael Ganzel and Matt Plosiak of Voice of Reason Consulting, voiceofreasonconsulting.com. My name is David Hoffman, and I produced and recorded this show. It was mixed by Austin Cologne. Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt is a production of Race Car Radio, a division of Citizen Race Car. We tell stories.